Welcome to the Wealth and Wellness Podcast with me, Kaylee Boisvert. I specialize in helping people to achieve their financial goals. I have a love for all things numbers, and I am passionate about financial literacy. My goal is to spark healthy and positive conversations around wealth and investment and create a world where nobody is limited by their financial situation. But wealth is just one piece in the equation of living our best lives. So join me as we explore both wealth and wellness topics. From your net worth to your self-worth, get ready to take confident action. Hello, this is Kaylee, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Wealth and Wellness Podcast. For today's episode, I thought it would be timely to talk about what to do when the stock markets suck. So what do we do when they're going down? when they're going essentially in the opposite direction of what we would like to see. Um, as an investor, you make investments and you you know put your money towards these investments and the goal is really to see them go up in value. And unfortunately, they do not always go upward and at times the markets as a whole move downwards. So since the start of this year, so since the start of um, 2022, Um, This is exactly what we've been seeing. The markets have continued to move downwards and that can be uncomfortable, especially coming off a year like we had last year when there was great returns. Overall, the markets performed positively and they posted positive return numbers for the year. So again, it's especially hard to see poor performance when we've just been used to seeing positive performance. Um, And just as a side note, another word that probably is coming up a lot and you're hearing a lot of right now is volatility. And I just wanted to quickly kind of break that down. So volatility is an investment term for when the stock market experiences periods of unpredictable and sometimes sharp rises and falls. It can be caused by a wide range of different factors, political or economic factors. And we're seeing, you know, that being the case right now for some of the short term events that are happening. And when you see the sudden change in the market, you feel, you know, as an investor, you might feel tempted to rush into buying or selling behavior. And also, you know, it might lead you to maybe acting too quickly or lead to behaviors such as buying high and selling low. And we're gonna go more into detail on that. But I just wanted to kind of as a side note, also include the topic of you know volatility. When we talk about this downward movement as well, we're hearing a lot of volatility, meaning there's just kind of the sharp um, rises or falls that we're seeing as well in the market. So I wanna acknowledge first that it's not comfortable to see the markets going downwards. Um, Because what that means is that the value of your portfolio is most likely moving downward as well. When the market as a whole dips um, and it moves downward, there is a good chance that your investments have also moved. And that's why we use, you know, the market index or the market indices when we talk about how the markets are doing as it provides this gauge of overall market moves. And it gives us perspective as to what the markets as a whole are doing. So then as an investor, if we see that the markets are poor, like performing poorly or having you know negative days or they're moving down, this is usually a good indication that your individual investments are doing 
likely something similar. So if the markets as a whole are down quite a bit for the day, um, you know, generally if you're uh, in, invested in a diversified portfolio and you're looking at indices, an, indice, an index, sorry, that is representative of, you know, how you're invested, if it's the U.S. markets or global or Canada-based, um, and see that those all move down, then there is a good chance that if you check your portfolio and your investments, that they move down as well. So it's a good tool as a comparison or indication of the general direction of your investments too. So if the markets are down, you know, for the year, let's say the markets, U.S. markets, Canadian markets, global markets are all negative for a year. And, you know, maybe the number is a bit different for each. But if you're invested in the markets and you're invested in those markets, you're likely going to see that your performance declined for the year as well. So if it's negative investment returns or market returns, sorry, then likely your portfolio will do the same. Um, so it gives you some perspective. You know, it's nice to see your investments go up in value. And that's what, again, we want as investors. But if the markets as a whole are moving downward, then you, you can't expect that your portfolio is going to be doing something drastically different if you're exposed and invested in the markets. Um, so again, not comfortable if you're looking at your account statement, for instance, and seeing the decline. Let's say you're looking at, you know, your your month uh, a statement that comes in the mail or over your email, and it's less than the number than it was the previous month, um, or you're looking at the real-time values and it's declined in a matter of weeks. Again, not comfortable to see. Of course, I do want to remind you, keeping in mind that when it comes to investing, no money is actually lost until a sell transaction occurs. So what you see when you're looking at the value of your investment account is the value of your investments valued on that specific date or even as um, accurate as that specific time if you're getting real-time updates based on stock market. Um, the, the stocks actually change throughout the day, obviously. And so if you're getting real-time numbers, what you're seeing on your account is that real-time value. So you only really have that value though if you're to sell out of your investments at that moment and essentially convert it all to cash. So that value that you're seeing only stands when the actual investment is sold. It's it's like if you were living in your house and got the market value assessed on your home. Um, I mean, that's probably a little less accurate. It's not, there's not as much of an active market, but if someone gives you an assessment, um, you know, you obviously haven't made any money on your home or, you know, cashed in on that value um, until you actually go to sell the house and then specifically what you sell it for, that gives you the number. So same is true with the markets, but there's an active, um, you know, auction market happening and there is buyers and sellers. So you're getting that real-time value of what your portfolio would be worth if you were to sell it out at that, that day that you're seeing the number. Um, so the value of your investment account Therefore, it's always going to be moving, a moving target almost. Like you're you're going to look at a day to day, um, you know, maybe even hour to hour. You probably shouldn't check it that often. It could get stressful, but it's going to be it's going to move based on the performance of the of the markets. But money is not lost, so it's not that you actually lost money. If the numbers lower this month than last month, you've only actually lost or locked that in when you actually sell the investment and recognize then you've sold it, you get the cash for that amount 
um, for how many shares you sold or for the position you sold. Um, so I do want to clear that up first that it's a moving number and it's not actually recognized as that specific value and until you actually go to sell it. So depending on how you're invested, the riskier portfolio and, and that number, it can fluctuate quite a bit if you have a lower, um, if you have just sort of like more of just an overall market exposure, it can fluctuate again, especially in times of volatility. If you have much lower risk investments, maybe you have more GIC based type investment for portfolio, meaning more like guaranteed investments or ultra low risk, then in theory, you should see a lot less fluctuation from, you know, day to day or month to month if you're looking at it. Um, but again, of course, with that, obviously you would expect overall lower return numbers if you have something lower risk. So again, nothing is actually gained or lost until uh, a trade is actually placed, the sell is made. Um, Okay, so let's go into more detail though and, and talk about our, you know, the markets suck. Okay, so the stock markets year to date, um, again, at where we stand right now, they are negative and they've had some pretty poor performance days with some, you know, steep losses to start out 2022. So you might be asking, now what? What do I do? Um, and you might be taking action if you're a do-it-yourself investor um, or you know even if you work with an advisor or you might be looking to take specific action to do something so you're seeing the markets go down they just keep decreasing um, and you're saying okay what do I do I need to do something and unfortunately that question and and that response and reaction might actually be doing you more harm than good so that looking for something to do might actually be you know, the worst thing you could be doing. Um, and I completely understand human reaction when things are going bad, when they're not going, you know, when it's taking a turn for the worst, something has happened that is wrong, something goes not as planned, you know, our automatic reaction is to do something. We need to fix it. If there's a problem, we fix it. But this approach, when it comes to investing, could potentially lead to even worse results, is what I want to suggest um, then if you were to even take more of a passive approach or you know more of a not reactive um, maybe more of a wait and see type of approach so the markets move swiftly and they're generally always a few steps ahead of us so unfortunately it's very difficult to outsmart them so if you're thinking that you want to outsmart the markets you know they're moving down so you need to jump out of the markets well they move fast and they do remember that they're usually a few steps ahead of you. Um, so when people try to take action to avoid further declines or market movements, oftentimes the changes are made quite late on and what investors actually might end up doing is really the worst thing that you can be doing as an investor, which is selling low because we want to buy low sell high. I'm like, am I saying this right? <laughs> it's getting late. <laughs> I'm taping this one is late. Um, so we don't want to be selling low. That's not the ideal scenario. We want to be selling when things have moved up. We don't want to be selling them at their lows. But um, if you are selling into negative news and volatility, you might end up selling at or near the bottom. And if your intention is to reinvest when the time is right, that's also, I would say, an extremely challenging endeavor Timing exactly when the right time is to invest again. So ideally finding that bottom saying, okay, 
I, you know, want to get out of the markets, but I want to get back in when they've hit the bottom. That is really hard to do. And even the most experienced investors don't claim to be experts at doing this. Um, So attempting not only to find the right time to jump out, but then also trying to find the right time to come back in is Again, that's basically twice as difficult to do because you're trying to time two major points or, um, you know, events or part points in the, the market cycle um, and trying to do both of those correct. And generally, I would say for the most part, what instead usually ends up happening is when an investor is looking to do something as a reaction to the markets moving downward, they generally sell their investments while it's already on the decline or moving down. And then when they look to re-enter, they do so a bit later on when it's already started rising and moving upward. So this means they actually end up being worse off where they've positioned themselves because they've sold while it's going down. Now they're buying back in at a higher price while it's moving up. And they've just essentially made it as if they invested at a higher point and, and sold previously at that lower point. So essentially, they probably in that scenario would have been better off if they did nothing. And a really recent example of, you know, when this major kind of market move happened and when a lot of people were reacting was, the, the big plunge that the markets took in March of 2020 um, due to the outbreak of the pandemic internationally. So, you know, there's this international pandemic, there's lockdowns happening around the world, and the markets moved down really quick as a result. And they moved down essentially about 30%. Again, some sectors moved down even more, but you would have seen a portfolio that was invested in the markets potentially moved down in a matter of weeks, potentially, you know, 30% or more even in some people's cases. And so that was stressful on many levels, obviously dealing with a pandemic, you know, people losing jobs, a lot of uncertainty. And it was difficult to see such a large decline then, of course, too, in the value of your investment portfolio. But what followed this swift move downwards was the markets gaining back their losses and even moving above their pre-COVID levels in brackets. So I say, of course, for most sectors. So oil and gas was a bit slower to recover and hasn't potentially maybe over recovered fully. And there's, you know, a few stocks that have not fully recovered to their pre-COVID levels or they were a bit slower. But for the most part, um, it, it was also pretty quick recovery. So they called it this sort of V shape that was made in the markets, meaning that it moved down quite quick, but it also recovered quite fast as well. Um, So for those that maybe were wanting to flee during the pandemic when it was first, you know, all happening, again, it moved down really quick. So you might have sold down along the way and then waiting to get back in at the right time it moved up rather quickly too so you might have gotten in a little bit later so that's a real life example of how you know trying to time the markets and thinking that you can you know pick the right timing of when you're going to be invested it's challenging because things move quickly and it's usually that they're happening a few steps ahead of you so I do just want to make investors aware of that. Um, So, you know, something to consider, maybe that taking action or that response of um, what should I do? The answer is maybe that that's not the best time to actually be doing anything. 
Um, so I want to talk about two. So when it comes to um, money, as human beings, we're emotional beings. And we take that emotion with us to all aspects of our lives. So we definitely have that emotion come into, you know, the money part of our lives. And the thought of losing money doesn't feel good because it can cause a lot of emotions to come up. You know, this money could be money you're saving for children's education, could be money you're saving for your financial freedom. So yes, the this does bring up emotion. It's an emotional topic. Um, and I would say emotions are unavoidable when it comes to your money. But that being said, I find that the best investors are those that are able to separate emotions from their decisions when it comes to their money um, and, and sort of try to look at it from a non-emotional lens, kind of take a step back um, and have more of a rational point of view. Again, very hard to do in practice. And for people that know maybe they're not able to do that on their own, um, it's often you know helpful to seek support in that. So in the form of a financial coach, a financial advisor, any sort of financial professional, having someone as your accountability partner um, or to keep you on track with that is obviously, you know, a, a consideration to make if you are struggling with that, separating that emotion from how you're going to act or react. And I'm not trying to like suggest that you get rid of your emotions. <laughs> Again, we're emotional beings. Um, I would say it's impossible to try to just say no more emotions. Um, but I'm asking you just to even have an awareness of how emotions can play into your financial decisions and just to be careful how these emotions can be influencing your financial decisions. Um, you know, it's, it's about avoiding the errors that emotions can cause us. So when our decision is made in that, you know, very emotional based, um, feelings based, mindset it's often you know the things we're doing is basically you know the things that are probably not the best things to be doing and and that's just like one error I talked about just before this so the idea of you know markets aren't performing good I'm I need to do something I need to react when that might be the the worst course of action for you to take because it could lead to even you know worse results if you're doing if you're jumping in at the wrong times and selling at the wrong times and it's you actually would have been better off maybe to stay the course um, and again we saw with what happened during COVID people that stayed the course were often better off at the end of the day than those that tried to jump back out jump back in so I'm asking what I am suggesting is that you avoid the emotional pull that might come up when it comes to investing and be aware of it. So just being aware, hey, this is emotions um, coming into play. Is this, you know, the the best course of action for me to take? Um, and and just know that, you know, maybe maybe it's not. So just taking a step back, giving it some time, looking at the situation, and and trying to maybe bring in some rational thought process process to it as well. So then you might be asking, well, what should I do? Um, so again, the reaction is as human beings, it's okay, things are going bad. There's a problem here. I need to do something. I need to fix it. And I'm telling you, potentially your best course of action is to not react, to not just jump in and do something, especially because it might be very much influenced by emotions. 
Um, so then you're now saying, well, then what am I supposed to do? What should I do? <laughs> um, so in all honesty, you know, usually the best reaction when the markets are moving downward is just to not react at all. And I generally, you know, don't suggest to people in times of extreme volatility or dips in the market to to use those times as times to make big changes. Um, again, to protect you from selling low. So if you're looking to make extreme changes, those probably aren't the best times to do it. You might want to just wait and give it some time and look for less volatile markets to do so. Um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen on a day-to-day -day basis in the markets, but what we do know is that historically, over longer-term time frames, the markets have always returned positive results. Um, again, this is based on historical numbers and over longer-term time periods. So we're talking 20 years plus, 30 years plus, 40 years plus. Um, so even, you know, when things are moving downwards, it, it might be, you know, if you're investing right now and seeing those declines in your portfolio and in, in those values, you might be asking yourself, well, what's even the point of investing? And again, that's the point is that over long term periods, investing has provided investors with growth and positive results. So when we zoom out, when we take a step back and look at those long term charts of the stock market performance, it is an upward sloping line. So there are some dips that occur because there are pullbacks, markets have corrections, there are recessions, there are bear markets, those have happened. But still standing back and looking at that, it is an upward sloping line. The line still moves upward with all those events that have occurred. It has still posted positive returns, the markets. So instead of asking the question, what do I do? And having that, again, very natural human reaction, a better approach, I suggest, is to look at instead, what can you control? So like life in general, so much of investing is not in our control. And unfortunately, you and I cannot affect the market performance. We want it to go up. We can't just will it to go up and all say, well, we, you know, we all agree that it should go up and we want to see it move upward. Therefore, let it move upward. Um, that is just unfortunately not something that can occur and it is not in our control. So what the market does, we have to remember, really remember this, that what the market's going to do on a day-to-day -day basis is completely out of your control. So if that's the case, what I suggest you do then is focus on what you can control. And you know, what can you control? Then you might be saying, well, what can I control if I can't control the market? Well, there are factors you can control when it comes to building wealth um, and investing. So one thing you can control is your savings rate. That's how much money you're putting away and adding to your ongoing investments on maybe a monthly basis, you know, semi-monthly, weekly, yearly that number that you're consistently saving and adding on an ongoing basis or a recurring basis, that's something that is in your control. And if you're doing that, that's fabulous, especially as the markets are going up and down because you're adding to different points in the market. The markets might be up and you're adding some money that month. Then the markets have pulled back and you're adding some more that month. And you're just adding, again, ongoing, that's moving up and down. And you're sort of taking the 
knowing, I guess, accepting that, hey, I can't control when they're going up or down or how much they're going up and down, but I can control saving ongoing and adding on an ongoing basis. So I'm taking advantage of some of these dips as well by doing so. Um, another thing you can control if you are sitting on some extra cash um, that's not needed in the near term, you can consider adding that to your investments when the markets are down. So so many people in hindsight have said that they wish they put more money or if they invested during the lows of the market in 2020, especially some of the hardest hit stocks that were down much more, could have been down more like 80% or more, you know, people looking at where those are trading now coming out of that and after markets recovered from that. Well, so many people are saying, well, I wish I would have invested or I should have put more money into the markets. Well, you don't have a time machine to go back in time and do that, but um, there are opportunities to add more money at any time the markets um, go down in value, anytime the markets take a dip. That opportunity is always there for you and the markets move up and down and that's just part of the market cycle so there was always going to be more of those opportunities so just because you missed out on what happened during COVID during um, 2020 when it was first really um, affecting the markets well you can find you know another opportunity and and I don't get too caught up in finding the absolute bottom um, but say to yourself I'm adding money below the previous highs. So you're still essentially getting a discount from where it was previously trading. Because again, if you're going to wait and say, I'm going to wait till it's the absolute bottom and then I'm going to invest. Well, it's very hard to find the absolute bottom um, for those that maybe have or can. It could have been potentially by sheer luck. Um, but I would say on a consistent basis, that would be a really hard thing to predict. So even just saying, you know, when I see the markets go down in value, I do have some extra cash I'm sitting on. I'm going to add it to my investments. That's something you can control. Another thing you can control is your overall investment allocation. So being invested in a way that is suitable for your risk tolerance and your time frame. Um, this also includes being diversified in your investments. So again, a portfolio that was primarily, primarily sorry, invested in oil and gas it was impacted more during March 2020 than a well-diversified portfolio might have been where it was more evenly distributed. And this is the same with um, a tech-focused portfolio during the tech bubble where those were the companies that were the hardest hit and those were the companies that came down a lot in value. So you can and should ensure your portfolio is diversified across different types of investments, across different businesses and sectors, and geographically as well. And that's something you can control. That is in our control. So focusing on what you can control when the markets are declining is what will serve you best in continuing to build your wealth and make those smart financial decisions. So it's gonna help you stay on track to achieving those longer term goals. And this leads well, when I'm talking about longer term goals, into another key piece of advice that I would suggest, and that is about embracing patience. So what can you do? When the markets suck, you can embrace patience. Um, successful investing requires patience. And there's so much proof of this if you're reading books about investing, if you follow some of the most successful investors, 
Um, you know, a good example that I'm sure everyone's familiar with that listens to this is someone like Warren Buffett. And one theme that constantly comes up from his investing approach is about patience. Um, I would say as a society, this is my rant, we have so much less, like less and less and less patient as, as a whole. So we are becoming very much more you know, expecting things quick and everything has to be fast. And even look at our social media consumption. We've moved to this model of, you know, wanting to just watch TikTok-like short video formats. And that's where our attention span is, is we want to be, you know, served these forms of entertainment or, you know, we're only willing to give it a few seconds before we want to move on to the next piece of information or, you know, yeah, pass on to the next sort of form of entertainment or whatever it is that you're using your social media for. And, and again, this is just an example. And I I like TikTok. <laughs> I get stuck in the the realm of watching TikTok videos. But again, I think it just speaks to how short of an attention span we have and, and how quickly we want things. Even in our um, behavior with like online delivery. So we used to be okay when we ordered something online, it might take weeks to get there. And that was like, okay, yeah, it'll get here in a few weeks. Now we expect it in the same day. And and even more on that, it's like, no, we expect it now. Can we get it within hours? Can we get it sooner? And, And that's how everything is moving that quick, quick, fast, fast. So Asking and expecting patience and investing, I would say, is very difficult with these shifting expectations, um, but it's so important. And when we look at like our investment performance and return numbers, again, we want to take that patient approach. We want to look back and say, okay, what are the numbers, like return numbers we're seeing over five years, over 10 years? on your portfolio or in your investments over 20 years, what are those return numbers look like? Short-term events are always gonna happen. And for the most part, I would say most short-term events are the ones that are really tough to predict. But what matters and impacts your overall wealth is not what your investments did necessarily this week or this month, it's how they performed on that longer-term basis. And again, this, of course, the caveat to this is keeping in mind you're investing appropriately for your time frame. So if you do have a shorter term time frame, let's say I'm saving up for a down payment within the year, you know, move, putting the money in the markets and hoping for big gains over a short time frame, not an ideal investment scenario. So I'm talking about investing in a sense of expecting long-term growth numbers. Um, so in that sense, it does take patience. And probably more patience than you, you or I or anyone, again, in this changing sort of dynamic of instantaneous and how quickly we're consuming and wanting things, that it's probably much more patience than we're comfortable or used to. To think of like, wow, two year return number, three years, five years, 10 years? That's crazy. Like, what else are you looking at for 10 years? But that is important and that's vital when it comes to investing 
because those longer term numbers provide you with a much clearer representation of your overall performance and a much better indication of your progress towards your goals when it comes to investing. So if the goal is saving for your financial independence um, or retirement number, then I don't want to see, you know, what your performance has been for the week or what your results are. You want to be looking at well, where has my portfolio gone over the last five years, 10 years? Um, how much has it grown and compounded towards that goal? And, you know, if you're if you're doing that, you're getting a much better view of, okay, am I on track? It, am I moving towards that goal? Um, rather than looking at the day-to-day, because the day-to-day fluctuations can drive you crazy. And if you base sort of where you want to get to based on the day-to-day, it's going to be all over the place. Um, so you have to really put your goals into perspective. And if the money is for your retirement savings and you're not even looking at it to draw on that for 15 years plus, then is it really worth your time really stressing out and looking at the day-to-day fluctuations that are happening right now? I would say probably not. Um, so I'm not saying, you know, ignore your investments altogether and, and take a peek at them in 10 years time, but I am encouraging you to look at the bigger picture and see, am I moving towards that goal when I look at that bigger picture? from a, you know, five-year perspective, from a 10-year, from a 15-year, that's what really matters. Is that getting me closer to my goal? Um, Again, the day-to-day, it's really hard to gauge from the day-to-day with all the volatility and fluctuation. So we do have to take a step back and look at the averages over longer terms to get a clear picture on performance and progress toward the goal. So I hope this episode has helped to relieve some of the stress or anxiety over crappy markets. And, you know, when the markets suck, I don't like it either. So I'm on I'm on your side. Um, But, you know, I, I urge you to not let market performance get you down, because I do believe that when it comes to money, Um, and wealth building, you deserve to feel optimistic and positive about your money and your wealth goals and and know that you're going in the right direction. And and I know sometimes that's hard to do again with that short-term day-to-day what's going on. But if anything, I hope this episode has helped kind of ease some of those concerns and the stress and anxiety and look at that bigger picture. So thank you so much for listening in. Um, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I will catch you on next week's episode. Thank you so much. Bye for now. I hope you found value in this episode. And because I'm such a proponent of taking confident action, I want to pose a question to you, the listener. What is one action that you feel inspired to take after listening to today's episode? If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Thank you so much, and I will catch you next time.